0: That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. That's what we're about God's plan to make Himself known. Not me, not Pastor Rick, not any one of us as servants here. It's not about us.
1: This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. Today, church elder Jeff Smith. Continues the series of the Book of James, on the ground gospel, shared with the congregation at Spotswood and Ladysmith on Sunday, August fifth, twenty eighteen. Good morning. This is exciting. Uh,
0: I've been, as I've been going through the uh, scripture for this week, "How great Thou art," has kind of been resonating. So, how applicable to uh, have that song today? Because I think sometimes we take for granted how great God is. Um, we, we live life, and we do it, and we, we are engaged in our day-to-day activities, and business, and work, and home, and families, and the, the business of, busyness of everything. It's so easy to forget how great God is. So I'm very grateful uh, for what we're studying today. Um, I must tell you, and I'm, uh, I, I think um, studying Scripture, you've got to work through that yourself first. Uh, so I will be honest with you this morning that uh, God and I had to do some business this week, <laughs> uh, and this is some really good material here this morning. I, I appreciate Rick uh, giving me this opportunity, um, but it is some hard things. As as Rick mentioned last week, uh, James gets in your face, and uh, J- James is kind of considered the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. There's a lot of practical wisdom here and, and Christian principles that we can all live by, even though it's written for the the Christians who were scattered about in in the early church. Um, It's interesting that the things are mentioned here are still things that we can deal with today in modern culture. And that's how applicable God's Word is. It's alive, it's real, it's relevant. And uh, so, on top of that as well, I was also reminded that uh, your Word, God, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And one of the cool things about that is when I recognize a lamp... Going to my feet, that lamp tells me where I'm at, but it also lights my way forward to show me where I need to go. And so when we're walking the pathway of life, there are obstacles we can't see. There are things and distractions and pitfalls that we could fall prey to. God's word is where we have to stay grounded and where we have to stay firm and embedded in and learning and growing and applying it to our lives. So my prayer this morning is that the word that James brings to us today is not mine, it's God's first, but that it'll be relevant in your life. And maybe you'll learn something new today that you haven't thought about. Maybe there's some business that you, like me, have to do with God. Um, So I I rest that and and leave that in the Holy Spirit uh, to do that today. So I'm very grateful. uh, As we get started, uh, let's open up with a, a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for how great you are. Lord, we think of ourselves so big sometimes that we're in control, that our lives are our own. But God, when we realize that you hung the stars in the universe, you created us, you made us for a purpose and a plan. Father, don't let us settle for second best. May our lives be lived in passion for your mission for us. so thankful, God, for your word. Help us to apply it, help us to read it, to be disciplined enough to make it a priority in our lives love and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So our uh, a big idea for today is we must surrender control of our lives and be content with God's sovereignty. We know God's sovereign, don't we? We know he's in control. We have those times in our lives where things can be difficult. We trust. We don't know where the, the end result's going to be. But the first part of the big idea is that we have to surrender control. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I think there's some some real truth that we can get from the scripture today. So let look with me in James four, uh, the last five verses of chapter four, starting in verse thirteen. He says, "Come now, you who say." Basically saying, if those if you're going to say this, for those of you who are going to say what's going to follow, listen up, pay attention. Today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town. We'll spend a year there, and we'll trade and we'll make a profit. So what I want to do today is uh, kind of take us, drill into, James like I said, James is getting right into our face with this this morning. Here's, here's the result. Here's the problem. Here's what you're dealing with. We're going to drill in on that for a second, but then I want us to come back out to a broader perspective and see what the real problem is, what the real issue is that we need to deal with, and uh, how that applies to so many things. As Rick was talking about last week, talking about quarreling in the church and and. and conflict that happens in churches and dealing with one another. And coming back to verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So much of that is talked about as far as the importance of humility and submission. And so it's very applicable to what we're dealing with here as far as God's will for our lives. First thing I want to look at here is these first couple of verses are some assumptions that are automatically made for these to whom this applies, might be us, uh, certainly to those early Christians that needed to hear it. But first thing there is today or tomorrow we will decide. So it's it's as if they're operating on their own timetable. They'll decide whether they're going to go, when they'll go. Then we'll go to a town. We'll arrive safely. How often do we take for granted and assume safety and security? That's not guaranteed but they're making the assumption that they're gonna get to this town, they're gonna go to a particular town that they wanna go to, and they're gonna arrive safely. And they're gonna spend a year there. We control the time, however long we wanna be there. And we'll engage in trade, a variable, people. How unpredictable that can be. But now when you're engaging in business, they're making a lot of assumptions here that people are gonna wanna do business with them, and that they're gonna make a profit. We'll be successful. We'll do well. We'll have money in our coffers as a result. So these assumptions, um, as we look at, um, I think can apply to us as well. Now, that's not to say I don't, wanna, I don't want to um, say that making a living is not the right thing to do. That, that would be incorrect. We are supposed to work hard. We are supposed to go out and, and, and make a living and provide, that that's called for. And it's okay to make money. That's all right. It's okay to make a profit. As long as you do it in the right way, you're not doing it in an illegal fashion, but it's okay to make a profit. But what he's getting at here with these things is that you're doing all of this planning and you're not factoring God into any of it. You're making a lot of assumptions that all of these things are going to happen and occur. And then what do you do when the bottom falls out? So you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what's going to happen a minute from now. I could fall over with a heart attack. Could Be on our way home, get into a traffic accident. We don't know what the next minute brings, the next day, a year. We can lay out plans for ourselves and it can all change in a minute. So we don't know what's going to happen. Might be that doctor's report, that pathology report we're waiting on. Rock our world. Might be that phone call from a friend that something dramatic has happened in their life might be the stock market and it tanks overnight. What do we do when these things happen that shake our world? Where are we? What do we cling to? What do we hold to when those things happen? So we see in this that God is not part of your planning. That's what he, James is trying to, to let these Christians know. And again, the same thing can apply to each of us. God has to be central to everything that we do. How great He is. How awesome He is. What He has done for us by going to the cross and taking care of our greatest need. But how often do we forget that? second part of that, though, is that you can't submit to God's plan until you surrender your plans. Well, if I submit to God, that, that, that's what that means. You've got to break that down a little bit. So envision envision a battle taking place on the battlefield, two armies opposing each other, and one realizes they're they're getting licked, and the other team's gonna win, and they decide to surrender. Do they give over their weapons, or do they keep them? It's complete surrender. Everything I have now is yours. I'm done, what do you want me to do? But how often in our lives, and again, I think the key that James is getting at here is how often do we hold on to certain parts of our lives? Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for saving me. But I'm going to hold on to this little, little corner here for myself, if that's okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the end of this passage as well. Um, so how often do we do that? What I want should be no longer important. It's what you want. So this gets into the sins of omission and sins of commission, which is mentioned there at the end of the passage. They're the right thing to do and you fail to do it. There are certain things we know when we read scripture, right? Don't do this. That is wrong. That is sin, right? All right, that's easy. Check the box. But when we know there's certain things that we should be applying our lives to, like submitting to God's will, submitting to his plan for our lives, being submissive overall, well, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. That would be a sin of omission, knowing what we're supposed to do and not doing it. And that's what it's called here at the end, for him it is sin. So we have to surrender control. Surrender control. How many of you love to fly? Who loves to fly? Wow, not as many as I thought. How many absolutely hate flying? Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I hate to fly. Hate it. I remember early on in our marriage, we went on a trip and we were flying back from the Midwest. Just, I don't like the bouncing. I don't like any of it. It's just not my thing. We're coming back in there, but I, said, I told my wife, I said, it'd be wonderful. I said, if I could just look out through that front windshield and see as we're coming in for a landing. I said, I'd feel much better. I mean, I used to, when we go on flights, I'd plug into the little frequency thing there and listen to the pilots talking because at least I knew everything was okay if they were talking. (laughs) And they start panicking or something like that. They're talking about something, huh? So got that opportunity, rare opportunity, it was pre 9 11 to come into an airport, smaller plane, and they had the curtains back then, and the curtains were wide open. We're coming into an airport, and it was windy. And the runway was here, and then it was over here, and then the runway was back over here. I just closed my eyes. and said, all right, I don't want to see it anymore. It's just better that way. What do you do when you fly? You're surrendering control to the pilot, right? He's the one that knows what he's doing. I joke with my wife. I'd say, it'd be much, I can get up there and do this. as long as I'm flying the plane, we'll be okay. That's not accurate. Well, how how often do we do that with our lives? God let me, I got it. We've heard that old slang, God is my co-pilot. That is so wrong. If God is your co-pilot, we're we're going down because it's just not going to (laughs) happen. Because I'm going to bring it down. God has to be our pilot. God has to be in control of our lives. So we have to surrender. Okay, Let's look at a couple of verses here. Colossians 1. 16 to 17. And again, drilling down to a couple key things and then gradually starting to bring it back up. Colossians 1 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. It's for His glory. It's not for our own. We were made for His glory. We're made in His image. What an awesome thing. I'm blown away that God would make me and create me and allow me to breathe. We're made for Him, we're made for His glory. And He's before all things, and in Him, all things hold together. Now, when you see all these alls, and all things, and created all things, and through Him, He's before all things, shouldn't I probably trust that He knows what's going on? But how often, I don't know what the next minute's gonna hold, I don't know what tomorrow holds, I'm going to operate blindly and just decide for myself what I'm going to do. Earth-shattering fact for you. Brace yourselves. The sun does not revolve around the earth. Oh, we think it does when we look out there, right? It goes across the sky. It must be how it is. We know better, don't we? So why do we think the world revolves around us? I think James is really getting to some key things. And again, like I said, it's very applicable. i got to work through this myself. But it's a reality. And yet, in our own lives, we try to take control and assume and grab and grasp and pull together for ourselves. Why? Psalm 24, 1 to 2. I'll just read this one to you. The earth... "...is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers." And then Psalm 135, 6-7, to seven, "...whatever the Lord pleases, He does. In heaven and on earth and the seas and all the deeps, He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain, and brings forth the wind from the storehouses. So again, who's in control? Oh, we know that. We know. It's head knowledge. We got it. But is it practically lived out for us? So, next question for you. What is life? What is your life? Go back to James when he says here in verse 14, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. What is your life? Well, we got this laid out. I got a plan. We got a system. Why is it when we're little babies, I got to spend some time with my wonderful little nephew. He'd cuddle me. He's a cute little guy. Why is it when we're little, we're so dependent? We need everything. Little baby needs to be fed, has to be carried, has to be transported, has to be burped, changed, all those things, completely, fully dependent. And then somewhere in the process, we start to develop an independence, right? And we're excited for that. Obviously, we have, we have to move in that direction. We can't be dependent on our lives. But as we grow, then at some point, we start to just set out on our own course that, okay, well, this is what I'm gonna do. So I'm gonna go get a job, go to college, have a family, work hard, save, then I'll retire, then I'll kick back, and relax, and enjoy life. And then what? What's he say here? What's your life? A vapor, a mist, a puff of smoke. You ever go out on a a real cold, snowy morning, zero degrees, It's that long, it's that long. Now we think we got it 80 years, 90 years, 70 years, that's a lot of time. We can plan out some good things in that amount of time. I did some reading, don't verify the sources, I don't know what the validity of it is, but in the, in the course of our history, uh, of our existence, that there's been approximately 100 billion people in the world throughout history, and in the thousands of years since the earth was created, and we come down to our little 80 years and think that everything revolves around us. It's about God. It's about God. He has created everything. He holds everything together from the beginning to the end, from creation until eternity. So there's a lot of hope in that. And that's, that's the key part to, to learn from this is that God holds it all together. And even in my short 80 years that I have compared to eternity, God's got that too. And if it doesn't all match up to my expectations and God takes me through some storms, we all have, as, as believers, have hope. We have an eternity. We're going to be with Christ one day. Look at, look at uh, well, Psalm 1023 says that, uh, the psalmist mentions there that my days pass away like smoke. So again, just reiterating uh, how short... Our time is. But look at Luke 12, 16 to 21. Um, I know you're very familiar with this passage, but it's the parable of the rich fool. Luke 12, 16. And he told them a parable. Again, Jesus is dealing with the crowds here, and he, he's got one who's asking que- questions about his inheritance, and he wants his brother to force, he you know, wants Jesus to force to divide that inheritance with him. And Jesus is addressing covetousness, covetousness. And he says in 16, and he told him a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? And one thing I want to look at in this passage as we're reading it, how much there is in there of I and me. So, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. Ah, I got an idea. I got an idea. I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And what's God say? You wise man. No. Fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Wow. Again, it's not wrong to make a profit, and it's not wrong for him to have extra. But nowhere in here do I see that he was considering anyone else. Or he was considering God's plans, it was all about him and what he was going to do and what he was going to do to plan for the future and how he was going to hold on to these things. And he even makes assumptions. He talks about the land. The land gave plentifully, didn't it? Well, there's only so much you can do with the land, right? God's got to bring the rain. So God blessed him with that. God gave him that abundance. But yet, what's he do? It's all about me. And what happens? He doesn't know what tomorrow's gonna bring until all of a sudden God says, you fool tonight. Paul, if you read through his letters so often, calls us sojourners, aliens, exiles, strangers, we're just passing through. This is a short-term stay. We got back from vacation, love going on vacation, love being there, love the beauty and nature of where we are, but I know I'm not staying there. I'm only there for a short time. We're leaving. We're going home. Enjoy the break, catch a, catch a, catch a quick rest, but I'm not staying there. God's got work for me to do somewhere else. So we have to be careful that we don't think that everything ends with this life here, that it's all about us, and it's all about the planning and things that we put together for us here, because it's not. We're just passing through. It's another earth-shattering fact. Brace yourselves. We will all die. I don't mean to be morbid. I'm not trying to be morbid. Don't get me, don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to be a downer. But the reality is, is we will at some point. Unless the rapture comes, that's a whole other sermon, okay? (laughs) But we will. So don't lose sight of eternity. Don't lose sight of God's big plan. Come back up. Let's get a bigger perspective here. What's it about, all right? So let's look at uh, what we need to do. What do we have to do to be content, right? Be content in God's sovereign plan. Look at the writings of Paul, Philippians 4, my life verse for decades. And we all know the verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But it's so important to read scripture in context. And in that context, shortly before that verse, he's learned how to deal with hunger, to be in want, but also to have, to be in abundance, to be rich, to be poor. He's dealt with many circumstances in his life, and guess what, Philippians is written from where? Prison. He's been beaten, been tossed into prison for his faith, and what does he say? I've learned to be content. Had it all. I mean, you know Paul's history. (laughs) Pretty successful for what he was doing. And for pursuing Christ, he gets tossed into jail. But he's content with that. So when we look at verse 15 of James 4 here, how does James say we're supposed to live? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. Don't run that all together. Break that up for a second and pause. If the Lord wills, we will live. You realize the complexity? You ever thought about the complexity of our bodies? The lungs, the brain, the heart, all working together? You don't think about breathing. We just do it. But God holds that all together. He created us. He knit us together in the womb, as it says in the Bible. He's the one that did that. So we have to be content in what His plan is for us. But what does He say here instead? You're boasting in your arrogance. How futile that is. It's pride. It's sin. And again, it goes back to by not submitting a sin of omission that we know we need to submit. We know we need to surrender, but we don't. going to hold on to this area. I've got this, God. This is mine. I've got control of this. Don't worry. I'll be all right. So contentment. We have to recognize that it's not about me. It's not. We have to be content with his plan for our lives. Matthew 22:36: 38, he's dealing with the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? And they ask him say, "Well, what's, what's the greatest commandment?" And what does he say? Yeah. "Love God." And then love your neighbor like yourself. But what's that first and greatest commandment? Love God. You look at the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. You shall have, the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. They can be physical idols. They can be ones, you know, the golden calf. (laughs) They can be other idols that we have in our lives that, careers, business, our own personal hobbies, objectives, things that we want to do. We have to be completely and fully sold out to God. Loving Him with all of our heart, as it says in Matthew 22, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. That is everything about us. Nothing held back. Nothing reserved. Colossians 1.16, I mentioned that one already. Um, again, referring to, uh, that's Christ He's talking about. Verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God, again referring to Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things created through him and for him. Think back to Genesis one one. We all know that one too, right? In the beginning, God created. Right? I love the... the the blending, the the tapestry of God's Word. When you can take John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and grasp the understanding that before creation, Jesus was there. Christ was there. As part of the Trinity, He existed. And at some point there, God decides to create earth and us and place us here. Creates the garden, creates Adam and Eve. Says one thing not to do. Watch that up. I would too, probably. But yet, even in the midst of that judgment, what does God do? He's already got a plan. That plan was in existence before creation. Jesus was already going to be that sacrifice for us. And you look at Genesis 3.15 and it talks about he will bruise your heel, referring to Satan, but Jesus is going to crush his head. That's referring to Christ. The plan of salvation, the plan for rebellion here and Satan's evil is going to be taken care of. And you look all throughout Scripture, you study Scripture, you see Christ and redemption and that picture, that beautiful story of God's provision for Israel and in so many instances of Israel's disobedience and how God was patient with them, but God had a plan. And then you look at the whole Old Testament law and everything that was associated with that, the sacrificial system that we could never, (laughs) we could never measure up to. You read Deuteronomy and it'll just, you had to obey all this? (laughs) Impossible. Yes, exactly. You can't do enough good in and of yourself. But God provided a way that would ultimately pay that price for sin forever through Christ. If nothing else we grasp in life, anything, if I don't have another dollar in my pocket for the rest of my life, at least I've got Jesus. That's the greatest thing we can have because when I breathe my last, I know where I'll be. If nothing else we have, at least we know we have that. I had the wonderful opportunity, don't get it very often now, to hear my father-in-law preach while we were on vacation. And he made reference to a a verse back in 1 Kings. And it really, really stuck with me as I'll start, you know, gearing up for this. Today, Solomon's praying, and he's issuing a benediction to the Israelites. And he's got his hands outstretched. Blessed be the Lord who's given rest to His people Israel according to all He's promised. Not one word has failed of all His good promise, which He spoke by Moses, His servant. The Lord our God be with us, for as He was with our fathers, may He not leave us or forsake us, that He may incline our hearts to Him, to walk in all His ways, and to keep His commandments, His statues, and His rules, which He commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine with which I have pleaded before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, and may He maintain the cause of His servant and the cause of His people Israel as each day requires. And this was the verse that really stuck out. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, and there is no other. That's what we're about. God's plan to make Himself known. Not me not Pastor Rick, not any one of us as servants here. It's not about us. Right back there. As we allude to so often, we exist to glorify God. Why? By advancing His kingdom through obedience to His great commission. It's not my great commission. It's His. Big picture. (laughs) Zooming back out. What is all this about? Surrendering control to what God's plan is. As 1 Kings 8.60 says that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. Whatever little gods we hold on to, idols, there's only one true God.
1: You're listening to the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Church Elder Jeff Smith will conclude his sermon with the big question coming up. Spotswood at Ladysmith exists to glorify God by advancing his kingdom through obedience to his great commission. To know more, to find resources, and to interact with us, please visit our website, spotswoodls.org, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, spotswoodls. Now, here's Jeff with the conclusion to this week's sermon. So the question I leave you
0: with, the big question, where's God on your priority list? You know, we talked about the sins of omission and the sins of commission. Again, not submitting is failing to do what God has asked us to do, to give over our lives to Him. So where's God on your priority list? Is it just a Sunday morning thing? I hope not. Pastor Rick can't give you enough on Sunday morning to sustain you throughout your entire life. You can't. TV evangelists, all those things that are out there, books, can't give you enough. It has to be a completely, fully sold out dedication to God and what he has for you. Whatever that is. I don't know what that is for your life. I'm sorry, I can't tell you. I don't even know what mine is because right what? I don't know what the next minute holds. I don't know what's going to happen on my way home. God does. And all he's saying is, just trust me. Just trust me. I've got good things in store, but I need you to be obedient. I'm not going to force you. He didn't force Adam and Eve to be obedient. They had a choice to disobey, and they took that. Same as for us. We can choose to disobey. We can choose to live our own lives. But as James also mentioned earlier, and Rick did such an awesome job of, of communicating, faith without works is dead. So when we, when we live, when we believe, when we have trusted Christ, there should be an outpouring of that in our lives by the things that we do and our walk. We're all called to be disciples. We're also called to make disciples. And that is passionately sold out to him and what he has for us. How great God is. Think of those verses. He hung the stars created us, made us. He's done so much. The greatest thing He did is He allowed His Son to go to the cross for us. And how awesome that is. So I offer to you this morning, take some time and reflect. What would God have you do? Like I said, I had to do some wrestling. And this is not something that goes away either you got to kind of do a periodic check because it's so easy to okay I got this straight now and then you start going in your own way again what we say earlier the first thing a light unto my path so easy to turn the light off and kind of start wandering and then go ooh, I got to redirect sometimes we need to reprioritize but if you've never made that decision in the first place to trust Christ I pray you'd accept his invitation it's open He died for a whole world. He paid the price, so the price is free to you and me. We just have to receive it and accept it.
1: So I invite you to do that today. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor, and today Church Elder Jeff Smith shared Part 8 in the series from the Book of James, On the Ground Gospel, with the congregation at Spotswood at Ladysmith, Sunday, August 5th, 2018. These podcasts are available weekly on iTunes and Google Play. You can also find the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to spotswoodls.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.